turn with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4 as we enter our fourth week of Advent. We've been doing Advent in Philippians, written by the Apostle Paul, and this is our week where we will focus on the theme of joy, which is appropriate as this is the time of year we hear so much about joy. Uh, But this passage in particular for me has just a place that is near and dear to my heart. It was the very first scripture that I memorized as a new believer. Did not grow up in church. I got saved in college. You know, fresh out of the baptismal waters, handed a new believer's Bible in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, were something I I took to memory uh, early on, and I've cherished it ever since, and I, I hope that you will as well. I loved it so much that when it was time to name our first daughter, uh, I named her Jovi, meaning joyful. Uh, and on top of all that, I just got back from Disneyland yesterday, so happiest place on earth. I got joy credentials just on top of each other. So here we are, Philippians chapter 4. Let me read it with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Mm. Rejoice in the Lord always. So, as I mentioned, joy is something we just we hear so much about during this season. We see it plastered on posters and billboards, and we sing it in our songs, right? We sing joy to the world. Uh, the, the good book that they read from you know, in Luke chapter 2, the, the angel speaking to the shepherd, says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Joy is something that I think, as a people, we all sense that we want it. You know, we hunger and we thirst for it. And so we are, we're, we're searching. How, how can we have this joy? Uh, but it can be hard to put our finger on. And so I want to spend some time today figuring that out together as we look at the words of Paul in Philippians 4. Um, But a quick definition of joy, just so we're all talking about the same thing, uh, I believe, you know, whether it's scripturally or just in conversation, for the most part, as we talk about joy, we're just talking about a state or a feeling of happiness or well-being. So I'm not going to differentiate here between happiness and joy. There's reasons to maybe do that, but I think for the most part, they're used interchangeably in scripture. Um, And I believe that most of us, when we say joy, we, we mean the stuff that makes us feel good, right? That, that everything is okay, that, that we can be happy. Uh, and when you hear the word joy, or if I said, you know, what, what comes to mind when you think of joy, you might have different types of things pop into your head. And, you know, the things that you enjoy doing, maybe a game of tennis, maybe uh, you think of good memories from the past. You know, my son, West, he's our youngest of four. He was just born nine months ago or so now. And I can still remember, it seems like just yesterday, holding him in my arms in the hospital, St. Luke's downtown, and just the joy of a new life looking up at me with his little eyes. You know, that There's joy there. Or like I said, we were just in Disneyland. Uh, and my son, Lewis, who's five, he got to meet one of his heroes. So that was a moment of joy for him. There's actually a picture. Uh, that's uh, him and Spider-Man hanging out. Uh, and he actually got a high five from Spider-Man. <laughs> and the look of joy on his face when he got that high five was classic, uh, something that I will cherish myself. Um, but those, those things that we think of when we think of joy, uh, 
they might not be what Paul is talking about. I'm just going to put that out there now because we, we have some things to reconcile. Because I will tell you, even at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, my, my wife would, would say she could live there. Like she, she, she's a Disneyland fan. Uh, it is her happy place. But even at Disneyland, where they spend billions upon billions of dollars to curate everything, to make you feel good, right, to the music in the background, there's tons of people whose only job it is is, like, to walk around and pick up the trash off the ground. It's a clean, beautiful, I wish somebody would do that at my house. That would bring me joy, right? Just follow me around and pick up my crumbs. Uh, There's entertainment, and there's rides, and there's food. But you know what? When I walk up to the cash register and I pay $14 for a turkey leg, that's not joyful. I'm taken out, the magic is gone all of a sudden. The magic is gone. Uh, And you know what, I have four kids. Every single one of them cried at least once at Disneyland. So I mean, yes, there are moments of joy, but rejoice always? Come on, I mean, and you might be feeling that tension right now at Christmas time. We put this pressure on ourselves, I think, as a culture to say, okay, it's Christmas time. Everybody put your happy face on, right? We Merry Christmas, and it's almost like a threat. Like, Merry, Merry Christmas, you better Merry Christmas. There's this, this assumption that there will be joy because it's Christmas time. And I think if most of us looked back at our past Christmases, we would remember that the hallmark moments, you know, the picturesque, everybody smiling around the tree Christmas morning, those are probably the exception rather than the rule. And most Christmases are a great mix of, you know, moments of excitement and joy and, and the reality of life, right? There's sorrow, there's pain, there's sickness. And I know some of you guys are here today and you are feeling the weight of the hard things in life, the difficulties of life. I know just in, in knowing some of my friends who were present this morning or were here last service that people have lost loved ones. They're mourning the loss of people they care People have lost children. People are going through divorces. People are in relational turmoil with those whom they love but are, are hurting them. Rejoice always seems impossible. And so, if nothing else today, I just want to say, if you're here today, and you hear Paul in Philippians saying, rejoice always, but you're sad, (laughs) do not hear me say, because you are sad, you're a bad Christian. That is not what Paul is saying. There are always going to be appropriate places for sorrow and pain, and we can look at the life of Jesus himself as the proof of that, right? He, he was said by Isaiah to be a man acquainted with sorrow, right? He was the one who, the, you know, the every Awana kid's favorite verse is Jesus wept. It's the most quotable two-word two verse. Jesus was familiar with pain and sorrow and tragedy. Um, and Paul himself, guys, we, we have to remember, Paul is the one writing this, and he gives his own list of credentials. Uh, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is, this is just a snapshot of Paul's life. Uh, it says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Not just once, three, three times. Uh, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And he ends by saying, apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Because Paul is like all of us. He recognizes there are external pressures and challenges and things that are coming against him. There are internal things he's dealing with, his anxiety that he feels over the people of God, the hopes and dreams he has for them that keep him up at night. Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about joy, but he talks about, uh, verse 17, says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. That doesn't sound like everything is easy. He's talking about giving over himself completely, just pouring himself out as an offering to their faith. But he calls them to rejoice as he is rejoicing. So clearly the command to rejoice and to rejoice always is not a promise of circumstances, right? It is not a promise that things are always going to be beautiful and sunshine and rainbows for us. So why do so many of us feel like we're failing at joy then? If it's a command, I do believe it is a command. I believe Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, but he's also writing to us believers now, and he's saying rejoice, rejoice always. Um, I believe the, the reason that so many of us feel like we're failing is because we're honestly just looking for joy in the wrong sources. And I think if we really thought about it, and Pastor Tucker touched on this a little bit with the theme of peace, you know, there's so many places we turn other than God. So, how many of you guys know where to get shampoo? I, most of us probably use shampoo at some point or another. Uh, can you get shampoo at a hotel? Yes, you can. I, I can prove it. I have a little, you know, little souvenir bottle. I didn't steal the towels, but, you know, the, the little shampoo bottle, they give them away. Uh, if I were to ask you if you can get shampoo at the hotel, you'd probably say yes. But if I were to say, okay, honey, we're out of shampoo, that little bottle lasted about a day and a half with a family of, you know, six. So let's drive back to Anaheim. I know there's a Hilton there, and they're giving away those bottles. So we better head back and get some because we're all out. You would say, that, that's ridiculous. That is clearly not supposed to be your source of shampoo. But we do the same thing with joy all the time. We turn to the things that cannot satisfy, that cannot sustain joy for us. And, you know, whether that's binging Netflix until we're numb or, you know, turning to 
you know, whatever your vice of choice is, drugs or alcohol or porn or whatever it is, we turn to these things which, yes, there, there is a sense of joy. If we're just talking about joy strictly as happiness and feeling like things are okay, yes, I, I want to just be truthful and say there, there are moments of joy. But if those are your sources of joy, they will always fail you. At some point or another, you will be unable to grasp enough of those moments to be a joyful person. You guys up for a quick riddle? Okay, too bad, you get one. All right, so uh, Jovi, my daughter who's named for this passage, Joy, uh, she brought a riddle to us from school the other day, which was, uh, imagine a plane is flying, but it crash lands between the U.S. and Canada, right on the border. And she says, okay, where, where are they going to bury the survivors since it was right on the border? And so we're all thinking about it around the table, okay. And some of the kids are like, U.S., some are Canada. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty smart. We don't know where this plane's coming from. Could be Zimbabwe for all I know. The real answer is probably they just get buried wherever they're from, right? That They take them back to their appropriate homeland, and that's where they're going to bury them. It does, why, U.S., Canada, doesn't matter. And she looks at me. She says, Dad, they're the survivors. You, you don't bury survivors. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, the, the answer is, is in the question, right? So survivors was right there in front of me the whole time. In the same way, when we look at this beautiful scripture, and it calls us to rejoice, a command from God through Paul, inspired by the Spirit, rejoice always, we have to put it in context, right? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, Rejoice in the Lord always. The sense of our relationship with the one who created us and is our salvation, that is the source of joy. That is the one we can go to who does not fail, who is always faithful. And the presence of God is the place of joy. Psalm 16 says that in verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. It's beautiful. The presence of God is the true source of the deep joy that Paul is talking about and that I think we're all searching for. There is a great Advent story that helps me uh, think about this concept of joy. Luke chapter 1, we're introduced to a situation where Mary, who is now pregnant with baby Jesus, having accepted the call from God to be the one to, to carry the, the one who will become the Savior, Mary comes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who is also now pregnant with child, with one who will become John the Baptist. And in Luke chapter 1, Verse, starting in verse 42, we have this, this interaction where they, they kind of come and meet each other. And Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, there it is, rejoice in the Lord, the mother of my Lord should come to me. 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. There's joy here. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's right there. The presence of God brings the joy. Elizabeth, in this interaction of recognizing that she's a part of this move of God through Mary, through baby Jesus, through John and her own life, that God, Elizabeth is, is saying, wow, I can't believe I get to, to be a part of all of this. And she's rejoicing in what God is doing. And, and very specifically, she is in the presence of her Lord in that moment, right? It, in the literal sense, Jesus is right there. And she says that even her baby, John the Baptist, in utero, <laughs> is rejoicing because he's next to Jesus. He hears the voice of Mary and he's like, oh, yes, celebrate, rejoice. We are in the presence of God. And I think I could leave it here and just tell you guys, okay, don't look for joy in the wrong places. Look to God as your source of joy. Be in the presence of God. That is where you will find what you're looking for. And I could leave that here and it would be true, but I think it would be unhelpful because so many of us, we hear rejoice in the Lord and we think, okay, what does that look like? I mean, I'm living real life here, so what, what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? What does it mean to be in the presence of God? Those are true, they're biblical, they're sound, but I think it would help just to put some, some wheels to the pavement on this for us. And so, uh, not too long ago, I believe it was Tucker who was teaching a series for us, and he said something that, that stuck with me, and if I'm misquoting him too bad, uh, I'm up here. Uh, but he said something to the effect of, oftentimes, joy is on the other side of obedience. And if you are looking for the pathway to joy today, I want to tell you that obedience to the one who created all things, the one who offers salvation to us, and who says, you are welcomed into my family, you are welcome into my kingdom, obedience to him who says, follow me, pick up your cross, follow me, lay down your burden, take on my yoke, the obedience to him will be your most sure bet if you are looking for a joyful life. And that is why I think the Apostle Paul, you know, if we look at Acts chapter 16, there's this great moment where Paul and Silas are beaten, thrown in jail yet again, put in the stocks. And what are they doing at midnight? They're worshiping. They are rejoicing. They are singing hymns to God because... No, not because they enjoy the beating, right? That they're not just insane. They, they don't enjoy being beat. They don't enjoy being stuck in prison. But they are being obedient to the call of God on their life. They're being a part of the gospel story. They're going out, sharing, and just that obedience for them and everything else, it's just not as important. And so there is joy we can look at Jesus himself. It was just a couple chapters before this in Philippians 2, where it says, verse 8, being found in human form. Again, this is what we're celebrating at this Christmas season, the Advent season. 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. But Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. Again, it wasn't that the cross itself was joyful. If you ask Jesus in that moment, you know, clearly it is nothing but pain, nothing but sorrow. But it was what was on the other side of obeying the will of the Father to its greatest extent. That's where he found joy. And so, for us today, I would ask, are we trying to find joy? Are we trying to receive the blessings of the kingdom without being under the rule and authority of the king? Do we want the kingdom without the king? Because when we grope, when we search, when we scrape together our own sources of joy and neglect who God is, it will always fail. So joy is on the other side of obedience. And this, I'm going to give you guys a couple quick potential things that maybe you could take. I don't want to presume that I know any one of your statuses right now in your walk with the Lord. I'm sure many of you are far beyond me in maturity and in time walking with the Lord. But uh, I think there are two things that, at least for me, come to mind that I see as I look out in our culture, and maybe I'm wrong, but just anecdotally, I look out within the church and, and definitely outside the church. I don't see an abundance of joy most of the time, right? I think now more than ever, I see a culture that is just in utter turmoil, right? People, there's this loneliness epidemic, right? There is uh, just anxiety on the rise, just what seems like a rise that will never end. There are people who are just so angry and bitter all the time about everything. I, I don't see an abundance of joy. And so for us, here are a couple things that I think will help us walk under the authority of the king of the kingdom. One, this is, again, this is a, maybe a tip from me. Don't take this as scripture. Take this as tips from, from Pastor Rhett and feel free to ignore them. Um, but I, I think there's something here. The first thing I would say is just sustain a pace of life that allows relationship with God. <laughs> we are so busy and so hurried, and the, hol the holiday season, which is pretty much the whole year, the holiday season is no exception, and if anything, we get busier, and I don't want to make you feel guilty about being, you know, having a full schedule. That's, that's not the issue, but the issue comes when if our primary source of joy is relationship to God and presence in, in, with God, then if we are not taking time to do that, whatever that looks like for you, you know, whether that's a morning quiet time or, you know, a prayer time, uh, you know, on, on the way to work or, you know, something that has been life-changing for my family is uh, taking Pastor Noah's advice, doing a, a weekly Sabbath where one day a week we say no to all of the noise and, you know, distraction of everything else and we focus on the things that give us joy in the Lord. 
and having that rhythm of one day a week where we set aside the phones and the TV and you know the outside voices that would speak into what we need for joy and we say, no, we just need God. We have what we need. We rejoice in the Lord. That has been such a blessing, but it is so countercultural, <laughs> and you will have to fight for it if you don't want to be a busy, hurried person. But I know personally, I am my least joyful when I am feeling rushed and hurried and when I feel like I've got places I got to be and people I got to talk to. And, you know, getting my kids into the car is probably the perfect example. You know, I start with, hey, guys, we're going to leave in a couple of minutes. Just be ready. And then and it goes to, guys, get in the car. We're going to be late. And then get in the car. You know, I start to do like the grit your teeth dad thing. Uh, and I try not to yell, you know, but I will admit that the closer we are to a, a sense of we got to be a, the, the less joyful I am in the way that I'm communicating to my children. And I think in, in lesser ways and in greater ways, that's true of all of us. Are we going to be joyful people? Well, then we need a pace of life that allows for some margin, that allows us to move through space and not take every what could be distraction as an annoyance, but an opportunity. And we look and we say, wow, what is God doing here? How, how can I you know, serve this person or, or bless these people or, or pray for whatever it is? So that's the first thing, a pace of life. Uh, and you know, maybe subcategory on that, this is just maybe a personal uh, thing, is, is just spend t- less time on your phone. If, even if you don't take a Sabbath, you know, even if you don't have a morning quiet time, I promise you, and I'm just saying this so without any authority, I promise you, uh, if you spend less time on your phone, no matter what your amount is, just cut it, you will be more joyful. I, I guarantee it. And I have nothing to back that up, but I, I know it to be true. I've seen it in my own life. The more I just get rid of my phone, uh, I've got a couple minutes here, so I just want to say, kids, you people with kids or have kids in your life, they realize when you're spending too much time on your phone. And if you ask a child what's one thing they could change about their relationship with their parents, there actually was a guy who did this in a study, uh, and they said, I just wish my parents would spend more time talking to me and less time on their phone. I'm like, oh, ouch, that cuts deep, right? And so, okay, side point, but back to ways we can walk under the authority of our Savior, right? To walk with Jesus, to walk in obedience, to find true joy, live in deep community, guys. Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That's part of verse 5 in Philippians 4. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. There is a way to walk which makes sense if you are a follower of God. And that way will be joyful, but that way is loving God first and primary. He is our source, but we are called to love others. Pastor Kirk is always reminding us so, you know, wisely that living in deep community is integral to the, the faith of a, a Christian. You have to find the people that you're going to do life with because, guys, if the only conversations you have are during our, you know, two-minute window between announcements and a message, you're, you're only going to scratch the surface. And I, I don't want to knock the, you know, meet-and-greet time, but you're only going to get so much there, you know. How you doing? Good, great. How was Disneyland? It was fun, kind of crazy. Uh, how you feeling? We were sick, now we're better. 
Like, that, it's a start. <laughs> but if you want to have joy in a relationship with somebody, you got to go deeper than that. The more people know what's really going on in your life, those heavy things that I talked about earlier, if you don't have people that know what you're going through, that are praying with you, that are encouraging you, you're missing out on a source of joy that God has built into the fabric of creation, right? Relationship with one another as a part of the family of God. That is where the expression of joy, the love one another's, all of the one another's, the obedience to those is in community. And I'll end with what Paul says in Philippians 4, 5, which is the, the Lord is at hand. <laughs> if, if you are lacking a reason for joy, let me put things in perspective. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Lord is at hand. And if Paul meant the Lord is coming soon, if that's what he meant by that phrase, then praise God. You know, Jesus could come today. He could come tomorrow. He could come in a thousand years. It doesn't really matter because the point is still the same. Jesus made a promise. He's going to return. He's going to set all things to right. There will be new creation and his rule and his reign will be beautiful and perfect. Rejoice. We get that hope to look forward to. That is our future hope. But maybe Paul meant the Lord is at hand in that he is, he is close to us, right? He is near. And I think about my son, Lewis, who he's five, which he likes to think he's old now, but he still doesn't like to walk down the hall from the rooms to the kitchen when it's dark at night. And so he'll always make me walk with him if he's hungry and wants a snack. And so we usually don't turn the hall light on. He just wants to know that if he, you know, put his hand out there that he would hit somebody, okay? Jesus promised that he will be with us to the end of the age. He said, though I go, don't worry. That's a promise. Jesus is with us always. Rejoice, right? That those things you're going through that are not joyful, rejoice knowing that the one who loves you perfectly, the one who saves you, the one who made you and has a plan for you, is there with you in those moments, and you can cling to him. And then for those of you who might be here today, and, and maybe like me, you, don't have, you didn't grow up with a background in church, or you know, maybe you're here and you'd walked away from the Lord and you're just visiting, whatever it is, and, if, and you're saying, you're telling me to rejoice in the Lord, but Jesus is not my Lord, right? That's, that's the key here. You want the joy? You have to have the right Lord, uh, and if you're saying Jesus is not my Lord, I, I say what Paul said, and that is the, the Lord is at hand. He is not far from you. There's a passage in Acts chapter 17 when Paul is preaching, I believe in Athens, and I'm just going to read these verses really have been helpful for me as I think about my own loved ones who are not walking with the Lord and my desire to see them find him. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27 and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So God is working in the times and in the places that we exist. And what is he doing with those things? He has a purpose, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him. Other translations say grope for him and find him. Yet he is actually not far 
from each one of us. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The invitation is there for any one of you who would want Jesus to be your Lord. And whether that's just a reminder of, I need to live my life more fully, you know, we should all take a time to reflect today and say, you know, does my life reflect one who considers Jesus to be their Lord? I remember when I was baptized, the pastor made me say, before I went under the water, say, Jesus is your Lord. I said, Jesus is my Lord. It was the first time I'd ever said it out loud. But do I always live as if that is true? And I think we all just need to periodically reflect because the way of the world is not the way of Jesus. And so we are constantly under attack to be molded and shaped by things that are not going to bring us joy. And so I just want to to invite you guys to make Jesus your Lord today. And I'm going to pray for us in this moment. I'm going to ask that those of you who want Jesus to be your Lord for the first time, that you really take this as uh, a next step in your faith journey and that you would cry out to God as I pray and just recognize that as we look to Advent, yes, we are looking back with Zechariah, with Elizabeth, but we are also looking forward to what God is going to do. We look back to the, the anticipation of the Savior who would come and the fulfillment of that, and we look forward to the coming, coming again of, of our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you in this moment, and we ask that whatever we have looked to in times prior to this for joy, God, that we would lay all of them aside and make you first and foremost our primary source of joy. God, all those other things can fall into place as our love for you becomes primary. I pray that we would be able to find a pace of life that allows presence with you, God, to be present with you. And that we would also have time to reasonably walk out our faith as we love one another in deep community. Help us to be obedient to the one who calls us to follow him. And for those who are here today who want to make you their Lord, their Savior, God, we thank you that not only did you come as a baby, as we heard about, but you lived a perfect life. You died on the cross. You rose again. You ascended to the right hand of the Father. And because of that, we can be a part of your family and your kingdom. And so, would you work in the hearts of these people? We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.